Hello. Good to Hello. see you guys tonight. Uh, that was a great song to come up on. Uh, but my favorite one, though, was Death Was Arrested. The lyrics to that really are just spectacular to claim tonight. And in a little bit, you'll see why. Just the claiming the lyric, Death Was Arrested in My Life began. So really cool. So I'm a little bit nervous. Man is probably a little bit nervous too. Yeah. You guys, so many of you looking at me right yeah, now. I like this right here. I'm not going to forget about you guys over there, but I am going to kind of like be right here. Is that okay? <laughs> so, all right, good. So we are going to be in, the, we've in this series called Asking for a Friend. You can see all over the stage. And tonight's topic is I have a friend who's addicted um, so I'm really glad, though, with the titles of these series, Amanda, that it's, um, it's for other people. I have a friend, so it's, it would be super awkward if we got up here and started telling people out there that they were addicted and have issues. So it, it, you'll be safe, so we're going to be talking about your friends. It's okay. We won't be talking about you. So now we got that out of the way, make sure you're safe. Uh, my name is Joe Porter, by the way. I'm on staff at Whitewater. Uh, absolutely love it. I get to lead the creative teams, communications, and worship, and uh, just have a blast doing that. Um, and uh, of course, I've been, we've been married for 15 years. This is my wife, Amanda. And at the end of this month, it'll be 15 years. Yeah, that's an accomplishment. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but that's not the only reason she's up here is because she's married and she's lovely. Um, Amanda, just introduce yourself and a little bit about what you do and that sort of thing. Yeah. Thanks, babe. So yeah. in addition to being married to this guy, I currently am working as a psychiatric nurse practitioner out at the Linder Center of Hope in Mason, Ohio, which is a freestanding mental health facility. <laughs> Somebody just worshiped you. I don't know how that feels Thank in you. church, but I get it. That's, that's nice. <laughs> it's, um, it's a great job. I love what I do. I feel so blessed to be able to do the work that I do. And in case you don't maybe entirely understand what a nurse practitioner does, I essentially function as a psychiatrist. And so every day I assess, I diagnose, I treat, I prescribe, I put together a treatment plan and a recovery plan for everyone that walks through my door, no matter how old they are. I see um, people of all ages, every stage, every level of care, every diagnosis. Um, and so thanks for having me tonight. Yeah. yeah. And you're halfway through. I am your... halfway through my doctoral program where I'm focusing yeah. on integrated mental health. Yes. Thank you. The only reason she's doing that is then she's going to make me call her doctor. Exactly. So that's really the only reason. <laughs> There's no other reason. <laughs> no other reason. So before we get into this weighty topic about addiction, um, I'd like to just do a little bit of an exercise uh, tonight um, and just to get started off. Uh, obviously, when you come in on a regular service, you're usually kind of like looking at what's going on upstage, not a lot of time to chat with each other. So I want to just do a little bit of exercise in gratefulness, because this is really helpful with this topic, just practicing gratefulness. And so with the person that you came with, it doesn't have to be a stranger, but if you didn't come with anybody, the person next to you, just share with them the thing that you're really grateful for this week, and, uh, and then that person will share with you. So Amanda and I are going to do that now, just to model it. So... Uh, Amanda, I would say I'm really grateful for our kids and pools during summer. So mine's really surfacy. I'm not as spiritual. What's, I was going to yeah. say I'm grateful for air conditioning. There you go. So it doesn't have to be super big, but if you've got something really big going on in your life you want to celebrate as well, then say that too. So we're going to literally do that right now. So stand up if you can just for a moment and the person you came with, just tell what, the, what you're grateful for. I, I want to make sure she doesn't get left out down here. I'm going to come say mm -hmm. hi. <laughs> Hi there. What's your name? Betty. Betty. 
What are you grateful for? My family. Your family. That's a good... Oh, awesome. I'm glad to hear that. There you go. Yeah. Nice to meet you, buddy. All right. I see some hugs, too. That's good. That's good. All right. You can have a seat. Thanks for just kind of engaging in that practice of, of gratefulness. Uh, many of you, I know you practice that every day, just thinking about what am I grateful for. Um, so, uh, man, I guess let's just get right into it because it's not going to get any easier. Um, so we're going to be talking about the types of addictions. <laughs> I didn't think I would get any laughs out of that. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk about the addictions you might think of. Of course, when you think of addictions, you think of uh, tobacco, uh, tobacco, alcohol, heroin, marijuana. It's usually it's like the guy in the street alley, needle hanging out of his arm, right? Or the guy who's passed out in the cab of a truck in the lot of the bar. Um, and, and many of us, we tend to think maybe that we're safe and maybe even better um, because we don't struggle with an addiction of this extent, maybe in our minds. Um, we typically love to cast judgment. I know I am I, guilty of this on other people's addictions and hangups, and then it allows us to ignore our own, right? We play the comparison game. We say, oh, we only look at porn like every now and then. We're not an addict. But also maybe tonight, just consider the types of addictions that are maybe not as overtly self-destructive, um, but they can also be really devastating, Right. 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 Like, so for example, how many of us will nurse a caffeine addiction every morning because we feel completely unable to face our day until we've had our first cup of coffee? Right. I see a hand. Um, how many of us soothe some sort of discomfort with shopping? Amazon Prime. Right. I'm very guilty of this. That little buy now button is so attractive and beautiful. Um, how about Grater's ice cream? Oh, right. No, that's you no. can't. Too far. Too far. <laughs> Don't talk about that. <laughs> But in all seriousness, I would like to propose to you that there are some behaviors that are not so overtly self-destructive in the beginning, but they can develop into something pretty devastating, right? So another example, how many of us struggle with an addiction to our phones, to our screens? How many of us kind of mindlessly scroll our way through life to pass the time, to avoid something else that we know we should be doing? Yeah, so I actually developed a, a really scientific test for this if you're addicted to your screens. And I'm going to go through this with you too. So there's a couple of, uh, this is highly scientific. I worked all week on this. So here's the first one right here. So read this. Uh, it must be an adult binky. They freak out when they can't find it. There's a little baby's looking at the phone. It is church, so I cropped out the swear words. <laughs> So that, if that's you, that maybe there's a little bit of a phone addiction. Uh, the next one, uh, so this is like if all the disciples, uh, that's, that would, look, one guy, is, uh, is that Mary or somebody already like, like Instagramming this? Like this is sweet, like, okay. And then in the next one, this, if, if this is you, you're addicted. Look at that. I know some of us are guilty of, uh, of that at the beach, so. We're gonna just start. So I know we're we're making fun of phones. Uh, keep that in the back of your mind, though. Like, what are some of those things with your screens? Uh, we are tonight. We're basically going to talk about what addiction is. So if you got a program when you came in, there's notes on there. 
I would encourage you to have that. And I would, even if you're not super like a note taker, it's really helpful to write things down, even if it is for somebody else, even if it's just for a friend, but maybe something for you. So on there, you'll see what addiction is, why we're addicted, and then how to fight addiction. So we're gonna go through those three things. So the first question is, what is addiction? Right? So in defining addiction, we, we need to uh, recognize that there's this intersection of mind, body, and spirit uh, that exists. So we're going to define addiction with a spiritual definition and also a medical definition. Um, so the word addiction doesn't necessarily appear in scripture. Um, I, I did Google search that. Um, uh, uh, but uh, what is clear in scripture is that we are supposed to put God first. And then that takes our heart, soul, and mind. It takes everything in us. So uh, we're going to read through Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Um, but what I'd like to encourage us to do tonight, just to kind of, again, practice our spiritual disciplines that many of us already do throughout the week. If you have your physical Bible, now's a good time to take that out. If you have your phone, don't worry about it. I won't make fun of you for being addicted. Take out your phone and pull up the Bible app. If you do not have a way to read the Bible on your phone and you don't carry a Bible around, I would go ahead and download the Bible app right now. Or you, if you have the Whitewater app, the Bible is on there. So I'd encourage everybody to take out a phone and read this with me. So we're just going to practice this together. I know it'll be on the screen, but I'd really love for everybody to read this with me. All right. So Matthew 22, 37 through 40. If everybody is there, I'm actually going to give you a few seconds to start reading on your own. So look down and read Matthew 22, 37 through 40. It is on the screen if you don't have something with you. So just read this just for a second. Good. The silence is kind of nice. So I'm, I'm going to read this out loud for any, any folks who, who may have um, uh, problems reading it up on the screen. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So to, I would propose that a spiritual definition of addiction could be the process of turning to something other than God for comfort or satisfaction or fulfillment. Any behavior really that is out of order, getting in the way of those two greatest commandments that we just read. So maybe for you that would be staying up till 2 a.m. watching porn. Is that helping you love God and others more? Is it helping build relationships is turning to food, alcohol, caffeine, it, for comfort in the middle of pain, is that helping you grow spiritually? How many of us are addicted to some form of self-harm that brings us relief in the moment, feels good at the time, and when we're struggling, but instead we should be turning to God for that comfort in that moment? Right. Right. And I want to, if we can, dive a bit deeper just for a second into the actual medical diagnostic criteria for a substance abuse or addiction. I think we're going to throw that up on the screen here. So, um, and I'll just run through this list. These are the medical diagnostic criteria for substance abuse or addiction. Tolerance, withdrawal, guilt, inability to stop using, ongoing use despite multiple consequences, preoccupation with obtaining the substance, escalating tolerance, lack of social or occupational functioning, 
and then um, often some legal consequences. And maybe you see this list and a couple of these things jump out at you. Maybe you even have a specific behavior in your mind while you're reading through this list. Um, at some point, I really want to encourage you not to play this comparison game, though. I know, I know myself, and I know when I look at that list, I think, oh, well, I might have this behavior, but I'm not that bad, right? It's not that bad yet. But the reality is that addiction is a spectrum, and there are varying degrees of addiction. And so while it's true that um, maybe many of us are on one end of the spectrum today and things are not total chaos and our lives are not completely falling apart, one day they might be, and it's still a healthy practice to evaluate our behavior and why we do what we do. If you're willing to be completely vulnerable with yourself and ask yourself, am I addicted? I would actually encourage you to ask a loved one this question as well. Someone you, you know, someone you trust, ask them, do you think I have a problem with addiction? And then listen honestly to what they have to say. This might take some really tough self-insight, but I would ask you to also consider another question with whatever particular way of coping or particular behavior that you're engaging in, what's the motivation behind my action right now? Am I doing this to relax? Am I doing this to numb out? What is the true motivation behind my action? Yeah, I, I, like, I like where this is heading because I like talking about the why behind things. Yeah. Why we do things. Kind of like why you're obsessed with like list making all the time. It's my favorite coping skill. <laughs> yes. So lots of, lots of questions about why. But so, okay, so we've talked about what addiction is. It's both medical and spiritual. Um, but the, the bigger question of why we are, we're addicted, this is the, this is the answer I'm going to propose today. Often we use our coping method of choice to numb pain. That's a big reason why. We use our coping method of choice. So plug in, insert the blank of the thing it is that you love to go to. We often use it to numb pain. When we wrote that, I was like, oh, that sucks. I can't, that's to me. Um, that really hits, and I can plug in the thing that I love to go to, and I can see that numb pain. Maybe it's physical pain, but also uh, most likely it would be emotional pain. Um, it could be the pain of a past trauma or a current difficult situation you're going through, or maybe just the pain of being bored. You're just trying to numb that pain. I came across this quote that I really loved. Um, so it's, uh, today I will live in the moment. Isn't that great? Exciting. Unless it's unpleasant, of course. In which case, I will eat a cupcake. <laughs> so... Maybe that's your mantra, <laughs> like, uh, and a lot of the time eating that cupcake, it's not even really about finding happiness. It's a lot of times about not feeling crappy and avoiding the pain of a cupcakeless life, right? Cupcakeless. Yeah, cupcakeless life. I'm going with that. That's, uh, you don't want to live a cupcakeless life. Yeah, I should have written that differently. Yeah, that was stupid. Okay. Um, a, uh, a life free of cupcakes? Just yeah. move okay, on, move, move on. on. Okay. Yeah. Here's another quote, another quote by a guy named, uh, guy named Solomon. Uh, the other one I read on the internet, I don't know who said that one. This one's a really good one though, because there's a guy named Solomon, super smart guy from the Bible. In Ecclesiastes, he wrote lots of uh, really amazing stuff. I would encourage you to read the book. It'll kind of blow your mind. Um, Ecclesiastes 7.13. So again, I'm gonna give you just a moment to get there on your phone 
or on your Bible, Ecclesiastes 7, 13, and 14, actually, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna read this. Take a good look at God's work. I love this next line. Who could simplify and reduce creations, curves, and angles to a plain straight line? On a good day, enjoy yourself. On a bad day, examine your conscience. God arranges for both kinds of days so that we don't take anything for granted. Really, Solomon here, he's talking about the ups and downs. He's talking about embracing the ups and downs in life instead of numbing the highs and lows. So Amanda, we're talking about the why. Why do you, why do you think we become addicted? Yeah. Because you're the expert. I am the expert. So. <laughs> um, what I see in practice is that addiction is very commonly secondary to a mental health issue. And the root of addiction usually begins as numbing or discharging some sort of uncomfortable emotion, like you mentioned earlier. It could be anger, it could be fear, it could be um, trauma, it could be boredom. And addiction is essentially pain management in the beginning, and then at some point along the way, uh, this way of coping becomes very destructive. And relationships are damaged, and trust is broken, and careers are ruined, and then the body itself becomes wrecked. And I wanna break it down for a second. See, the center of our brain houses our reward center, our pleasure center, and this is ripe with all these dopamine receptors. And this is, in fact, a biological system that God designed and created and installed in us for the purpose of continuing humanity. Because how do we as a human race survive? We eat and we procreate, right? We eat and we procreate. I love those two things. I know, they're yeah. fun. <laughs> when we do these things, Exactly. When we do these things, our brain is telling us, all these dopamine receptors are lighting up all over our brain, telling us, this is fun. This is good. Do more of this to stay alive. And I believe that this is why addiction to food and addiction to pornography or some kind of sex addiction are the most difficult addictions to shake. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. So uh, you've hit on a little bit, but do you think addiction then is a disease or a decision? So that's probably in some people's minds here. Is it the nature or nurture? So sure. maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and of course it's incredibly complex, right? It is a mixture of both. And the metaphor that I usually give to my patients is that when it comes to addiction and mental health issues, your genetics load the gun and your environment pulls the trigger. But I have- Say that again. Oh, sure. Yeah, say that one more time. Was that insightful? I don't know, I think so. Okay. Maybe so. Your genetics, when it comes to addiction and, and mental health issues, what I tell people is your genetics load the gun and your environment pulls the trigger. So both are equally important. Your genetics, your upbringing, your environment. Um, but then in the back of my mind when people ask me that question, I also wonder if they're asking a deeper question, something along the lines of, um, when they're asking me if addiction is a, a disease or a decision, is this person really asking me how much compassion should I show this person who's addicted? How much sympathy are they really worthy of? If they've gotten themselves into this mess, how much work um, should I really put into supporting this person? And that is not the way that I want to think as a clinician. Remember those two pesky commandments that you read earlier in Matthew? Um, our instructions from Christ are pretty clear on this. We are to love God and love others. Love God, love others, it really is that simple. And so for me as a clinician, I choose to believe that addiction is a disease, not just a decision. Because when I start calling addiction just a decision, the end result does not lead to me loving others unconditionally. 
Yeah. And maybe that's a little bit why we feel like we know what is healthy for us, like we have it in our mind and we decide to do something, but then we still don't do it, right? And what is up with that? Like we decide, if it was just a decision, it seems like we could just decide better and then like follow through. Why can't I make a good decision about healthy eating and then just stick to it? If it's just a decision, like what is going on there? There's this uh, guy named Paul, who's like the great hero of the faith, Paul the Apostle, uh, and he wrote all kinds of letters to churches, encouraging them, teaching them. He was like the sage of the day, like when it came to like church leadership. He wrote a letter to a church in Rome, and it's in Romans 7, 17 through 20. So look that up, Romans 7, 17 through 20. Give you a second to find that either on your phone or in your Bible. It'll be up on the screen. So see if you can pick up on the frustration in Paul's voice here. But I need something more. For if I know the law, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin keeps me from, keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide to not do bad, and then I do it anyway. I think there's one more. Sorry, there you go, boom. <laughs> My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. If you haven't picked up by now, I read from the message translation a lot, so I probably should have told you that before. It's good notes for uh, Sunday, yeah. In case the words are a little bit different. I love his tone there because I'm like, ooh, that's me. There, this is what the truth that, that kind of like led me to. There are evil forces working against us every day and we can't explain it and that can be infuriating. I don't know if there's anybody in this audience like there, you, you know there are evil forces working against you and you can feel it like Paul could feel it. But there's good news. That's why we're here tonight. <laughs> there's good news. We wanna give help and hope at Whitewater. You don't have to figure it out all on your own and do all the right things and make all the right decisions. Jesus wants to lead us. The same Jesus that we just sang praises to and lifted our hands to, he wants to lead us all throughout the week in our decision-making. He calls himself the good shepherd, and that's for a good reason. There's this sense of peace that comes when you just release your addiction into his hands. And uh, John... 1010, if you look that up in the book of John, John records Jesus saying these two really poignant statements that I really love. John 10, John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The thing that you're struggling with, Satan and the evil forces want to use it to destroy you. It's not just there just to kind of have a good time and keep around. He wants to destroy us. The evil forces in our universe verse, want to destroy us. But then Jesus went on to say, I have come so that they may have life and they may have it abundantly. That is a special statement from Jesus. Doesn't that sound nice, an abundant life? 
a life full of joy and fulfillment. And Jesus wants that for you. He wants that for me. He wants that for you. He's on our side. It's that simple. But it is, it's a fight and it's a struggle. And it's a fight against these evil forces. It's a fight against a disease. And like any good fight, we need a good strategy. So that's, the, that's one of the last questions. How do we fight addiction? We, we define what is addiction? Why on earth are we addicted? How do we actually fight it? The couple was 85 years old and they've been married for 60 years. So they weren't young, but they were both in very good health. Largely due to the wife's insistence on healthy foods, exercise for the last decade. One day their good health didn't help when they were on vacation and their plane crashed, sending them into heaven. They reached the pearly gates and St. Peter escorted them inside. He took them to a beautiful mansion, furnished gold, fine silks, fully stocked kitchen, waterfall in a master bath. Doesn't that sound nice? Yeah. They gasped in astonishment when he said, welcome to heaven, this will be your home now. The old man looked out the window, Right there, he saw a championship golf course, finer and more beautiful than he'd ever seen on earth. What are the greens fees, grumbled the old man. This is heaven, Peter replied. You play for free every day. Next, they went to the clubhouse, saw the lavish buffet, every imaginable cuisine, laid out before them seafood steaks, exotic desserts, free-flowing beverages. The old man looked around, glanced nervously at his wife. Well, where are the low-fat foods, low cholesterol, decaffeinated tea, that's the best part, Peter replied, St. Peter replied. You can eat and drink as much as you'd like, whatever you like, and you'll never get fat or sick. This is heaven. The old man pushed. No gym to work out at? Not unless you want to, was the answer. No testing my sugar or blood pressure? Never again. All you have to do is enjoy yourself, said Peter. The old man glared at his wife. You and your freaking gluten-free granola. We could have been here 10 years ago. <laughs> it's a fight. We're fighting. Don't give up. Okay, so that's not a lot of practical advice. So right. maybe, Amanda, you yeah. can give us okay. some real so advice. So let's get practical again okay. for a second. Um, because I want to leave everyone with um, some next steps. If you are in this room tonight and you are truly struggling with an addiction, I want to give you some concrete next steps. And um, the first thing I want to say is that, I'm sorry, it's cliche, but really the first step is to admit that you have a problem. Um, admit this to yourself. Admit this to someone you love. And then seek out some professional help. And even better, have your loved one go with you to that appointment for support, for accountability, to make sure you follow through. And be open-minded to the suggestions or the recommendations that that professional has for you. Follow through. Um, listen, change is hard. It takes a lot, a lot, a lot of work. And don't be surprised, don't be disheartened if you have a couple of relapses, because this is actually quite common. Um, the best piece of advice that I could give you is to find a community of people who have survived what you're going through to help you along the way in your recovery process. Because I feel that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is community. Addiction is very isolating. It comes along with a lot of fear and a lot of loneliness. And knowing that we're not alone and that we don't have to go through this, our darkest days alone, is quite imperative. I want you to see some stories of a group of people who are fighting their hurts, their habits, their hang-ups together. Check it out. 